Welcome. You're listening to Building the Backend, a podcast for data architects, where we will uncover what's working and what's not across the data landscape. I'm your host, Travis Lawrence. Join me on a journey to understand the best patterns, tools, and frameworks for implementing modern data architectures. Each week, I'll interview data leaders and architects like the Vice President of Engineering at LinkedIn or the founder of Data Kitchen and employees at Microsoft and Google and many other top companies. To start off the new year, I have put together a quick 60-second survey to help me better understand how I can best serve you. Go to buildingthebackend.com slash survey to complete it. And if you do, your next coffee is on me, aka I will email you a Starbucks gift card. If you're hearing this message, then the survey is still live, so act fast and help me improve the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey there, listeners. Travis Lawrence here with another great interview on, on uncovering what's working and what's not in the data landscape. I'm really excited to have our next guest on the mic, Tarush Agrawal. Tarush is the founder of 5X Data, where he helps companies build a strong data foundation with self-service BI to enable the business. Prior to starting 5X Data, he was one of the first data engineers on the analytics team at Salesforce and helped scale the data team at WeWork from 5 to 100 plus employees. In this episode, we will discuss why data lakes may be on the decline, the importance of self-service BI, and ingestion patterns. Tarush, welcome to the show. Hey, Travis. Amazing to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, I'm really looking forward to jumping in. Can you share a little bit more about your previous experience and what led you to start 5X Data? Yeah, absolutely. I've spent the last 10, 12 years in the data space. Most recently, I was leading data at WeWork. We supported 15,000 employees. The data group was about 100 people. And before that, I started my career at Salesforce.com, was one of the first data engineers on the analytics team over there. I've really seen the evolution of data. And what I realized, what I saw is that everyone talks about data, right? The Economist wrote a famous article in 2018 talking about data being the new oil. Yet it, yet it turns out that 95% of companies are still not really getting value from data. Apart from Silicon Valley and apart from tech companies, it hasn't, there hasn't been much of a value add. So I started 5X Data with the goal of helping digitalize that 95% of companies. And that's something which I think is going to be very critical in just helping modernize businesses out there. And that's something I'm, I'm super excited about. Awesome. Can you provide a little bit more overview of what the services 5X Data provides and what a typical project lifecycle looks like or engagement? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with what's happening out there. So the old way of leveraging data is let's go hire a data analyst to answer questions for the business. And this doesn't work for a few reasons. Number one, as you keep hiring more and more employees, you got to keep scaling up the data team, which is not very practical. And at some point, data becomes a bottleneck for the business instead of helping facilitate questions for the business. A lot of companies are really at this. Now, the, the new way of doing things is instead of having an analyst answer questions for the business, if you have systems in place such that people can answer questions self-service, then all of a sudden, 
people are not dependent on the data team and can execute a lot faster. Since they're not dependent on someone else to answer questions, they have more autonomy and these companies execute twice as fast. So really the first goal of what data can do for you is really add visibility into the business. This is what we focus on. Our goal is to help companies build self-service data systems to improve speed of execution. And really how we do this is we've built a program where we take you through building this system from scratch. Now, a lot of the tooling already exists, right? You have the Snowflakes and the Google BigQueries and Looker, Tableau and all of these and like all of these different technologies. So the tech has existed for a while, but still companies haven't been able to leverage it. And the reason for that is number one, the knowledge, what should we do? And number two is the resources, who's going to do it. So we help with both those areas on the who's going to do it. We've started to vet different developers in different parts of the world and we certify them. So these are 5X certified developers and they can come in part-time, full-time and help you actually execute. And then we have a program which really gives you the step-by-step instructions, the best practices, the how to set up, the introduction with all the vendors, everything you need, what are the common five, 10 different data models needed to get started for your business. So our program takes you through the what to do and how to set it up. So that's really what we focus on. That makes a lot of sense. Your target customer, you mentioned a lot of times you're building these data architectures ecosystems from scratch. Yep. What size are they currently? Are they small to mid-size? Yeah, mainly two types of personas, right? Either companies which are founder-driven companies which initially used vision and hustle to get started and now probably at seven or eight figures they start to hit they start to hit a plateau right very often these very often these companies have scaled their people up but it's not enough to just have people you also want you also need the right systems in place to be able to give your people visibility and also clear objectives these are uh, a big type of customer for us. And the second one are your typical series A or B companies, which have proven out a business model and now have raised these rounds to go scale the business. And at this point, these companies are going to invest in data. Now, very typically in the Western world, investing in data is typically a three to $500,000 investment, right? Data hires are expensive. The tooling layer is expensive. So typically you would spend a few hundred thousand dollars and most likely you would, you know, hire data people to go answer questions for the business and not really be building the right self-service systems in place. Again, the sort of knowledge over here is is non-trivial. So using us, really what we've been able to do is really decrease that barrier to entry. Instead of 300 to 500K entry point, through a program like ours and being able to bring on a more mid-level or a more junior level engineer in parts of the world where labor is cheaper, you're now able to build these systems for far less. So instead of a three to $500,000 endpoint, instead of a three to $500,000 entry point, we can now probably do this at a hundred K end to end. 
What's the number one mistake organizations make within their data ecosystem other than not having one? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think the, the number one mistake, if you take away anything from this podcast, is organizations try and focus on insights and, and really gaining value from the data prematurely. So it makes sense when an organization, for an organization that wants to leverage data, they rush to the insights layer. And in some ways, that's like trying to build a skyscraper without digging up the earth to build a foundation. The first thing you really need to do is build a foundational layer to add visibility into the business. What I talk about is there's only one function of an early stage data team, and that is to build systems to add visibility into the business so that everyone in the company can answer questions self-service. Once you have this visibility into the business, now is the right time to go optimize. And then at that point, whether it's more advanced analysis or even areas like machine learning, predictive analytics, all of these are just ways to optimize the business. And in some ways, you can think of the advanced analytics or machine learning layer as an application or a data product on top of a data reporting platform. So the mistake really is trying to focus on these areas without having that data reporting layer. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. sense. And, it's, yeah. and it sounds, and it's a self-service BI reporting layer. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have self-service, then you're still stuck in that old methodology of, of the company, depending on your data hire to go answer questions for the business. And as long as you do that, the, now this hire is spending 80% of their time answering questions for the business instead of focusing on the real needle moving work. What are... 5X's guiding principles when designing out that foundational layer to support this BI stack? Sure. It boils down to three real pillars, right? And if you have to take sort of companies through it, the first thing is being able to ingest all of your data centrally, right? We now live in a world where you have different services for different tools. Companies have the application databases. They have marketing tools like ad networks, which store all of that data. You might have your customer data inside CRM. You might have your sales data inside BOS systems. Every company now has 10 to 15 different sources of data. As long as you use these individual applications to report on, you're solving for local maximums. Facebook can tell you everything you need to know about the, about, about, about spending money to acquire users, but you want to answer more holistic questions than that. I spent X amount to acquire these users. How long did these users use my platform? That's more of a question across a variety of different data sources. So the first thing you really need to do if you want to get more holistic is be able to ingest data centrally from all of these different systems. That's step one, ingesting data centrally. Now, step two is all of a sudden you have all of this raw data inside your data warehouse or data lake. This data was really structured in a way which made sense for the individual applications. It made sense for your application, it made sense for Facebook ads, it made sense for your CRM. It wasn't structured in a way to answer questions from the business. And very often what analysts do is, is they write all this complicated logic on top of raw data and that's what they visualize. Now, if you keep doing this for every new analysis, you have to keep going back to your raw data. 
That's like if you're trying to build a skyscraper, you have to take raw materials from the ground floor every time you want to you every time you want to add a new story. Just not practical. And as the raw data changes, all of these reports break. So instead of that really, what step 2 is how do you work backwards? What are what are all the questions you're trying to answer? What are all the questions marketing's trying to figure out? What are the questions products trying to do? And you design a data model which can answer 80% of those questions. And you now and you now transform your raw data into this business layer. That's really step two. So at the end of step two, at the end of step one, you have ingested all of your data centrally. At the end of step two, you now have all of this data modeled, and you have a clean business layer. The third step is now how do you implement some of these BI tools? Right, these BI tools have existed for a while. Find one which works for your use case, and really set it up in a way which is extremely easy for self service. And once you have this, now your analysts, your end users, which are using this data through your BI tool and your data scientists are all working off this one common layer. So you no longer have these issues around multiple different sources of truth because actually no one's going back to the raw data. That's abstracted away from your end users. Everyone's using this business layer which we've created in step 2. So these three steps, ingesting data centrally, modeling it in a way which makes sense for the business and then and setting up a bi layer on top of this business layer for self service these are really the three core principles what a lot of companies mess up in is re- is really layers 1 and 2 a lot yeah. of companies probably what data engineering teams spend majority of their time doing is building out these pipelines it doesn't make sense to to basically go build this ingestion layer anymore we can move from etl to elt and then automate the el layer so automate ingestion and then we find that companies completely avoid step 2 they start building they're in such a hurry to get to insights that they start building these insights directly on top of the raw data which might be fast to get started with but a few analysis in it gets really slow from the ingestion side let's dive in a little bit there sure what tools are y'all recommending or particular patterns from an ingestion standpoint whether it's batch cdc event driven sure. yeah absolutely a few a few programming paradigms apply for a bunch of companies they're moving towards event driven architecture this could be through some sort of through some sort of framework like kafka for the most part what we've found is that the idea of using batch ingestion makes a lot of sense right so with storage becoming cheap now it makes sense to just load your raw data from source inside your warehouse layer we find that the data warehouse we find that the data warehouse architecture is now really hard to compete with the the sort of data lake architecture made sense if you have massive amounts of data but for the most part with warehouses like snowflake which are now separating out the storage and the compute layers and the cost of storage becoming cheap it's now practical and performant enough to load all of your to load all of your raw data into a data warehouse style of tool so really moving into that paradigm and moving more specifically into elt from etl avoiding doing any transformation at the ingestion layer loading the raw data itself this allows you to now leverage some fully automated data pipelines which can help you automate the el step 
And then you can run the transformations later on in step two when you're building out the business layer. And like very often, if you're not dealing with massive amounts of data, warehouses are now performant enough that you can often run these transformations on the fly. And that itself is sort of performant enough. So when would you recommend a data lake for a client? Sure. Specifically, you know, how much, when we say large, massive data, what does that mean? That's becoming pretty sort of subjective, right? So depending on the industry, I think a bigger, instead of just pure data volume, if you're dealing with, let's say, sort of video files and, and, and sort of data, which the raw data itself is not very valuable, there's certain attributes inside the there's certain attributes inside the raw data, which when extracted are valuable, then it makes more sense to use a data lake architecture, potentially run something like Spark, extract the, extract the metrics from that data and then load it into the warehouse. And then going back to the ingestion side, yeah, what tools would 5x data recommend if I don't yeah. have, I'm not tied to any one cloud vendor and I'm not yeah. too familiar with them? Sure. Again, irrespective of like of like cloud vendor, there's a tool called Fivetran, which is a fully automated data pipeline. At WeWork, we were probably one of the first early customers. They came out of YC. They do a really good job of building out uh, a lot of integrations with all of the providers. You can use tools like Segment. Uh, a lot of the big, a lot of the big sort of cloud providers, the mix panels, the heap analytics of the world now have their own integrations directly with the warehouse. I know, for instance, on Google Cloud, Google is now starting to build its own integration layers with external data sources. So a bunch of technologies coming out. There's also an open source ingestion framework. I forget the name, but we can add it inside the notes, which is more like an open source Fivetran where you can set up your own nodes and then use the common application layer to pull data from these different data sources. All of these are viable options. Again, depending on the volume of data, the type of connectors you're trying to build and the requirements are, are around uptime of ingestion and the rate of ingestion of how real time it, it is, we would recommend different providers. So again, people who do a program really depending on the use cases they are looking to get, that's really, you know, the expertise we uh we provide in the program and helping them pick the right tool for the use cases mm-hmm. and for their budget. So going to the data warehouse side of things. Yeah. Would would you say the three large data warehouses would probably be I think BigQuery, Redshift, Snowflake, and Azure are the sort of usual suspects. We've extensively, we work, we started off with Redshift. We were probably one of the larger customers of it. We eventually moved to Snowflake. We've evaluated BigQuery. I think today, pound for pound, it's really hard to compete with Snowflake. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, depending on your use cases, a few of them will be, will be pretty competitive. In terms of just pure performance and cost per and cost, I'm not getting any check by Snowflake, but just in my honest opinion, if you're right. starting out today, I would seriously consider Snowflake. And I think we're living in a world where a multi-cloud structure works great. I think Snowflake anyways is built on top of all three providers. You can run it on Microsoft Cloud, Google Cloud, or Amazon Cloud. 
So that's not that relevant. If we were getting started with any new project today, we would default to Snowflake and only consider any other provider for very specific use cases. I see that sort of Redshift is starting to decline. BigQuery and Snowflake are really, if I had to really just share what we're seeing in the industry, these two are really the, uh, on their way up. Probably some of the other ones are on their way down right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's exactly the same patterns that I'm seeing. And Snowflake has really exploded on the scene these past five years, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I guess what's your biggest lesson learned from a data quality perspective with building out data ecosystems? Yeah, that's a great question. And it just starts super simply sort of garbage in, garbage out, right? Having said that, perfect data quality is not something very practical or something which really exists out there. The sort of strategy of using a business layer instead of working with raw data directly allows you to really put some checks and bounds in place to make sure that your business layer has cleaner data than your raw data layer. So that's just a really powerful tool because by being able to separate out your raw data and your business layer, you can now have the right checks and bounds on your business layer. So whether that means you want to have separate jobs or jobs which do data quality checks or just build it as part of your transformations where often companies can use strategies like bucketing. So if you have data which is pretty fragmented inside the transformation layer, you can pick a bunch of these values and they all map into one bucket type, right? You're really using this transformation layer to simplify and to clean out your data quality layer. The second thing so that's just one area the other area is really absolute values versus relative values so when you're looking at sort of transactional data parts of your data you really want to report pretty accurately like dollars spent products shipped user signups fairly important to be pretty accurate over there and for the most part that data is pretty well structured so pretty easy to get high quality reporting when it comes to those areas For a lot of other parts like usage data, which might be using stuff like like front-end tools, which are at best 85, 90% accurate, for those type of data sources, it's important to know that you're never going to have fully accurate data. But for the most part, with data sources like that, you're more interested in the directional trends. So the idea there is not to get too caught up what your absolute number of people using your feature is. What you're more interested in is on a week-on-week or a month basis, is that number increasing or decreasing? So to know which parts of your stack are really more directional and which parts of your stack need to be more absolute and separating that out, knowing that data quality for certain parts of it are never going to be 100%. And then the other tactic, which we just briefly spoke about, was uh, being able to build in some of these audit checks and data quality checks inside your transformational layer because now you're separating out the business layer from the raw data layer. Between these two tactics, that's typically how I would start thinking about data quality. The other areas around data quality, the other area worth mentioning really quickly is the idea of using data dictionaries. It also helps with data quality. If your end users really know what metric, what is the definition of the metric they are using that educates them to know whether it's the right metric or not. And I consider that as part of data quality, right? So another tactic is using the data definition layer and really joining that inside the BI layer. Where do you see data architectures hitting over the next two to five years? 
Sure, it's a great question. I think on the data reporting side, we're now starting to really identify what the best practices are. And I think we spoke about some of them where I think the data lake architecture for the most part is dying out. We're moving towards more of uh, a data warehouse architecture. The idea of separating out raw data, having a separate data reporting layer is really focusing on self-service. We're starting to find a common trend of best practices on the data reporting side. I think where the architecture is really heading is what is what are these architecture best practices for the data science layers, right? We're still very much at the infancy of what is the application fabric look like for data science. And I think over the next three to five years, we'll start, we're going to start finding out what these best practices look like. So I think we, we are moving up the stack and adding more maturity. And again, to recap, I think the data reporting side of the stack is now fairly well understood, even though majority of companies get no value from that. It's becoming a solved problem. What's next for 5x data? Where do you go from here? That's a great question. At this point, now that we have done a few iterations of our program, we are getting pretty good um, at helping companies build the self-service reporting from ground up. We're now really focused on scaling this up. Our next goal is to serve 500 companies in being able to build the self-service data reporting capabilities and really scale up our network of sort of developers. So that's going to be a big part of it. Potentially, we might get into other programs. Once you have this this self-service data foundation, potentially building data products on top of that is interesting. For our listeners, if they want to connect with you afterwards, where can they best go? Yeah, absolutely. I, we we do post a lot of content on my Instagram and LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is Tarush Agarwal. Instagram is I am Tarush. So if you're interested in a lot of content, that's the place to go. You can reach out to us directly about our programs. Our website is 5xdata.co or 5x.company. You can reach out to me personally. My email is Tarush at 5xdata.co. Yeah, please feel free to engage with us. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tarish, so much for your time today. I know I gained a lot of good insights, so thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to Building the Backend. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. If you want to receive the latest data news in your inbox, join the newsletter at buildingthebackend.com. See you next time, Data Nation.